We joined on the line now by Narina Fisser, strategist at ETFSA. Good morning, Narina. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to all the listeners. And I know it's already late, but a happy new year to one and all. <laughs> a belated one to you too, Narina. It is, of course, Thank the you. first time that we've had uh, the opportunity to chat in 2016. Indeed. Um, so, um, speaking of which, uh, what is your outlook for the markets and the economy for the year ahead? Oh, Sakina, I think it's going to be a tough one. Um, and, and not just because we started so poorly, but you know, two of the primary drivers from, from last year that still continues is, is, is the slump in commodity prices and of course the currency volatility and especially of course in the weakness in commodity currencies such as the RAND. Um, we're very aware of sluggish global growth conditions. We keep hearing about lowering of forecasts and expectations for global growth. This has been led by the slowdown in China, but it it really permeates around the globe. Um, I think some of the, not just new factors, but maybe ones that will, will receive more attention this year is, of course, the Chinese currency being included in the IMF reserve currency basket, and that is one of the major sources of, of the currency volatility that we're seeing at the moment. We also have divergence in central banks' monetary policy, so the U.S. have started increasing interest rates. But you know what? Um, company, countries like the U.S. certainly don't operate in a vacuum. So that U.S. interest rate cycle, although it's, it's an arising trend, I think we're going to expect we can expect it to be lower for much longer than was maybe previously anticipated. And then, of course, we're in an election year. You know, locally we've got our municipal election. We're all very familiar with the U.S. presidential candidates' election um, in the, uh, over on that side of the Atlantic. And you know, election years um, results in a lot of populist talks talk, which I think causes much angst for people. So I think the best way probably to, to, to deal with that is to try and ignore it or, or at least recognize it for, for what it is. But, but yeah, I guess what is probably dominating everything at the moment is this oil price. You know, <laughs> the result of oversupply, weak demand, and now it's causing uh, so much further weakness in, in economic growth because of the reduction in capex spend in mining and, of course, the significant pain that it's causing the likes of ourselves, um, other emerging markets, and then, of course, especially oil exporters. Speaking of oil, now who would have thought that we would be hovering around the $30 per barrel at this time? And in light of the weakness of the RAND arena, um, this is probably something to be grateful for. But what impact would this have on domestic inflation and the interest rate outlook? Sakina, you're absolutely right. This sort of thing always has as two sides to the coin. So, yes, never, I think, um, I don't think there's a single um, um, analyst or economist or market forecaster out there that, that expected oil prices to be below $30 a barrel. But, you know, over the weekend we, we had um, the sanctions on Iran finally being lifted, and this is really what's causing this very latest further slide that we've seen. They will come to market probably with only about 500,000 barrels a day for now, but that production is expected to be ramped up quite significantly and as they take time to rebuild their export capacity after years of underinvestment, their role in, in the global oil supply market is going to, to further increase. So what is the positive in terms of this? Well, of course, the, the very low oil prices means that we are importing some deflation or some lower prices. 
yes, the weakness in the RAND is offsetting a lot of that, but if it wasn't for the low oil prices, the, the spike that we saw in the RAND during 2015 and certainly again in the first two weeks of this year would have been devastating in terms of inflation. So although we can still expect inflation to, to, to obviously increase on the back of the weak RAND, the impact is a lot more muted than it would otherwise have been. We've got the Reserve Bank, our own, own Reserve Bank, coming up for, a, for its first interest rate meeting um, shortly, and I think we can expect that they will have to increase interest rates, but hopefully only by 25 basis points, whereas if it wasn't for this, this low oil price, um, I think it could have been a, a half a percent on the card. But yes, they will have to maintain um, the, the, the firm stance and, and keep that um, the expectations for inflation under control. The RAND is going to cause it to, to spike above the 6% level, so um, I would be surprised if we don't see that interest rate increase from the SARP. And Narina, just a quick one on the corporate front. Uh, global beer giant Anheuser-Busch InBev, uh, they listed on the JSE on Friday. Does this mean that the transaction with SAB Miller has now been finalized? Oh, no, not not by a long shot. It's still a long way to go. Um, this is very much a preemptive move by Anheuser-Busch to come and list on the JSE and really just um, firm, show their firm intention of, of really integrating and becoming a part of the South African economy. Certainly management of Anheuser Bush has been has been um, lauded around the world for the way in which they've been very proactive in dealing with markets and with regulators and, and we experienced that firsthand last week. Um, significant listing on the JSE, by far the biggest company when you look at its overall market cap, over 3 trillion rand, um, but of course the number of its shares that are actually listed and registered here on the JSE a relative small number, so we won't see the impact of it directly just in things like indices anytime soon. But uh, yeah, on Friday, trade at 10 billion rand, so certainly no no um, lack of activity there. Um, and I think some very good uh, reports coming out after last week, certainly reporting that they are not expecting any job cuts or, or impact on the South African economy after the merger with SAB Miller. And that is because there's just no overlap between the existing Anheuser Bush InBev operations in South Africa and those of SAB Miller. Um, so they went way beyond maybe some of the, the, the traditional sort of concerns that one might have around competition commission issues and really spoke very proactively about cooperation agreements that they've discussed both at government level but also with the PIC, the Public Investment Commissioner, um, and really looking at, at joint operations where they're, especially in the agricultural sector, looking to, to um, boost investment and, and participate there. Um, and I think it was one of the few times that we actually heard uh, the PIC come out with very positive statements after such a meeting and say they are actually looking forward to this merger because they believe that ABMF can actually play a very positive role in the South African economy. Well, Narina Fisser, thanks so much for that. Speak to you again tomorrow morning. That was Narina Fisser, strategist at ETFSA. Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM.